0: our study on the afterlife. This study is part of Saddleback's Foundations small group series. Written by Pastor Tom Holliday and Kay Warren, Foundations systematically explores what the Bible teaches on 11 of the essential doctrines or biblical truths that form the foundation of the Christian faith. In this study, we'll walk through four video lessons together, the first two taught by Pastor Tom and the second two taught by Kay. After each video, we encourage you to take the opportunity to discuss and dig more deeply into what you've learned. We're so excited that you've joined us for this study. Let's get started. Now, if there's one topic that has captured our collective imagination, it's the question of what, if anything, happens to us after we die. A quick Google search reveals books and television shows and movies that have all speculated various scenarios, most of which have very little relationship to what the Bible actually teaches. Even among followers of Jesus, there are different ways of thinking about and articulating what happens in the afterlife. Over the next four sessions, Pastor Tom and Kay will carefully lay out what the Bible tells us about the afterlife. Now, the Bible is clear that we will all experience life after death. Now, that may be surprising to hear, but the truth is that we were made to last forever, whether we choose to follow Christ in this life or not. Those who choose to follow Christ will spend eternity with Him. But those who choose to reject Christ will spend eternity separated from Him. The life change objectives for these lessons offer really important perspective for us. The goal of studying these truths is to give us a deep understanding and gratitude for God's rescue from the certainty of an eternity without Him and to change the way we think about ourselves and others, to shift our focus from the here and now to eternity. If we can keep these goals in mind, these lessons will stir both an urgency to share with those who don't know Christ and reignite our excitement about all that God has planned and promised for those who follow him. Let's join Pastor Tom for Afterlife part one.
1: What section of the newspaper do you read first? Or online, what section of your favorite online news site do you look at first? Is it, is it front page news? Is it business news? Is it sports news? I wanna suggest that the most important section of a newspaper it's an often ignored feature in a small type buried in the back. You can't even find it online. It's the obituaries. I know one older man who, who reads like his obituaries, the obituaries first, and he says, if his name isn't there, he knows he's gonna have a great day. For most of us, death is something we'd rather just ignore. Even as believers, we don't don't want to be thought of as these pie-in-the-sky thinkers. We want to be firmly rooted in here and now and today. How many of you have ever, like, called a friend over for coffee and you started the conversation, let's talk about death? They might wonder what you put in their coffee. The truth is, the truth is, one of the keys to having a healthy perspective on life is knowing the real truth about death. There's a great deal more interest in the afterlife today than there was only a few years ago. The older people get, the more they think about where they're going. So why are we studying this? First, the Bible has a lot to say about it. It's a subject that God obviously wants us to understand. And second, other people have a lot to say about it. Everybody has an opinion about death and heaven and hell. Many of the people that you hear confidently talk about the afterlife, they have no clue as to what they're saying. They're just making it up. Now, maybe you've gotten your ideas of the afterlife from pop psychology of bestsellers or talk shows, or maybe it's just ideas you've developed yourself, your own personal philosophy of death. The stark truth is it doesn't matter what an actress or a talk show or a person like you or me thinks. Who are you going to trust, Jesus Christ or a movie star? Your guesses are God's truth. Only God, the creator of heaven and hell, can give us the real truth. Only Jesus, the one who died and rose again, is the genuine authority. Now, all of us, we wonder about the end of our lives. How much time do we have left? Under what circumstances are we going to die? What exactly is death going to be like? The Bible gives us some clear truths about the end of our lives that all of us need to understand. These truths affect the way that we live today, and they affect the way that we see the future. In this session, we're going to look at what the Bible says about hell. You might jot down this reference, Ecclesiastes seven, verse four. Ecclesiastes seven, four says, yes, a wise man thinks much of death, while the fool thinks only of having a good time now. Now, that's, that's not a verse you're gonna put on next year's Christmas cards, but it does remind us of the wisdom of thinking about death. Only a fool would go through their entire life knowing they're gonna die and never preparing for, never thinking about eternity. The most frequently asked questions about hell include these. Is there a literal hell? Why was hell created? Who will be in hell? What happens to people in hell? Where do people go now when they die? How can I be sure that I won't go to hell? Now, you might be thinking, here's a session I wish I'd missed. It's my prayer that by the end of our time together, you'll have a better understanding of this horrible place that's become nothing more than a casual swear word to many people and that you'll see a deepening, even overwhelming gratitude to the Lord happening in your heart for your salvation. So let's look at these questions. First, is hell a real place? Our opinions on the existence of heaven hell, and hell, they're interesting. Listen to a national survey, to these answers in a national survey reported in Time Magazine. Do you believe in the existence of heaven where people live forever with God after they die? Yes, 81%, no, 13%. Do you believe in hell, where people are punished forever after they die? Yes, 63%, no, 30%. The fascinating part of this study is that even in our non-judgmental age, 63% of people still believe in a place called hell. One of the reasons is that the Bible is so clear about hell. Jesus is very clear in his teaching about heaven and hell. Jesus taught that hell is a place of judgment. In fact, there are more verses in which he taught about hell than he taught about heaven. Matthew 25:46. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Or John 5:24 and then 28 and 29. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life, and he shall not come into judgment, but he's passed from death into life for the hour is coming in which all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who've done good to the resurrection of life and those who've done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. The the Bible speaks of a time of judgment that all human beings are gonna have to go through. It's referred to in several verses as being a time of, of separating or sorting the righteous from the unrighteous. There's pictures that God gives to us throughout the scripture of this. Matthew 13, it's this picture of a dragnet catching fish this time of judgment. Or Matthew 25, a shepherd sorting sheep and goats. Or Matthew 13 again, harvester pulling weeds and wheat. The Bible picture pictures it for us. There's gonna come this day when the good fish are sorted from the bad. The sheep and goats are divided. The weed is separated from the weeds. That day is obviously not here yet, but it is coming. And when we talk about this judgment, who's the one who judges, who does the sorting? Jesus, Jesus is the one, he's the only righteous one. Jesus is at the center of everything that we teach about heaven and everything we teach about hell. He's at the center of this moment of separation and judgment. In Acts 17, verse 31, for he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. So as I talk about the reality of hell, some of you might be wrestling with the feelings expressed in this article that appeared in U.S. News & World Report. Many modern Christians are simply ashamed of hell. In increasingly secular American culture, adds Al Mohler, hell has become about as politically incorrect a concept as one can find. Martin Marty of the University of Chicago was moved to remark a few years back that hell has disappeared and no one has noticed. We read that Jesus taught there's a place called hell and we believe his words and yet there's something in us that's still bothered by the reality of hell. On the one hand, we, we long for judgment and fairness. We, we couldn't accept that a Hitler or a Stalin would have the same reward in eternity as a Billy Graham or a Mother Teresa. On the other hand, we wonder how and, and why God could have created such a place. We, we ask ourselves if it wouldn't have been better if, if it just didn't exist. We're gonna answer those questions as we walk through this study together. There is a place called hell, but why? Nothing can be created apart from God. So why would a loving God create such a place? Why was hell created? Well, to begin with, you need to understand, hell was not created originally for human beings, but for Satan and his angels. Matthew 25 verse 41, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. These are the angels who followed Satan when he tried to lead a rebellion against God in heaven. They're also now called demons. You might circle in Matthew 25, 41, first that word prepared. Hell is no accident, it's a place prepared by God. But also circle the word depart that tells you why God would create such a place. Satan and his angels originally lived with God in heaven, but they left God's presence by their own choice. Satan chose to live outside of God's presence. His residence now is this earth, but it can't always be that way. Contrary to popular opinion, Satan is not yet confined to hell. Right now, he resides on earth. Four times in the gospels, Jesus calls Satan the prince of this world. John 12, verse 31, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. On this world, Satan can live apart from God, even as many people in this world can live a life. You can choose to live a life separated from God, and that's the choice that Satan made. But what will happen when this world is no longer a place where you can live separate from God, when God creates a new heaven and a new earth? One day, according to the book of Revelation, God is gonna cast Satan, death, and Hades into the lake of fire. That's just another name for hell. Revelation 20:10. and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. Revelation 20:14. then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. One day, God's gonna create a new heaven, a new earth, Nothing in this new creation will be separate from God. But Satan chose long ago to not be a part of this new creation. His choice to rebel against God condemned him to eternal separation from God. That's why hell was originally created as a place of separation from God for Satan and his demons. It's important to understand that Satan's not gonna rule in hell. That's a picture we get from books and movies, not from the Bible. Satan will be tormented in hell. Who's gonna be in hell? Well, hell was created for Satan and the demons, but sadly, they will not be the only ones there for all eternity. The facts of life and eternity that we have to eventually face are, we're all headed for an eternity without God in hell. All of us. Romans 3.23, all have sinned. All are not good enough for God's glory. Now, some people have more good in them than others have, but Romans 3.23 tells us that all of us are not good enough for God's glory. Heaven is a perfect place. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. If God lets you as an an imperfect person into his perfect heaven, it wouldn't be perfect either. It doesn't matter how good you are, God's standard is perfection and that's a standard we can't meet. The truth is, I wouldn't wanna live for eternity in a heaven that was anything less than perfect, would you? We'd like to believe that everything's just gonna turn out all right in the end that we'll all get to heaven and everything's going to just be okay. But that's just not true. Listen to this quote based on an extensive survey of American attitudes concerning the the afterlife. The unquenchable confidence in a joyous afterlife is embedded deep in our history and psyche. Americans believe that it's our birthright to be happy. We guaranteed it in the Declaration of Independence. We feel entitled to it and we'll sue somebody if we don't get it. Andrew Greeley, professor of sociology at the University of Chicago and a renowned author, supports the idea that Americans are increasingly op- optimistic about the afterlife. Belief in hell has decreased, he says, but belief in heaven is not. People have a conviction that God just wouldn't do that to them. But we're lying to ourselves. Lying to ourselves about how desperate our situation is if we continue to remain apart from God, it, it does absolutely no good. In fact, it does devastating harm. It keeps us from recognizing a second truth. Jesus came to rescue us from the certainty of a separation from God. First Thessalonians 1.10 tells us, he is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Only Jesus can rescue us because only he can offer us forgiveness for the sin. That's the reason we spend an eternity in hell separated from God. We need rescue. God sent a rescuer. I don't know of a clearer way to state the real love that God has for us. Those who trust in Jesus are rescued. Hebrews 7, verse 25, therefore he is able once and forever to save everyone who comes to God through him. He lives forever to plead with God on their behalf. Here's what Billy Graham wrote about this. Will a loving God send man to hell? The answer from Jesus and the teaching of the Bible is clearly yes. He does not send man willingly, but man condemns himself to eternal hell because of his blindness, his stubbornness, egotism, and the love of sinful pleasure. He refuses God's way of salvation and the hope of eternal life with him. Suppose a person is sick, Billy Graham writes, and goes to the doctor. The doctor diagnoses the problem and prescribes medicine. However, the advice is ignored, and a few days later, the person stumbles back into the doctor's office and says, it's your fault that I'm worse. Do something. God has prescribed the remedy for the spiritual sickness of the human race. The solution is personal faith and commitment to Jesus Christ. Since the remedy is to be born again, if we deliberately refuse it, we must suffer the horrible consequences. Those who do not trust Jesus are not rescued from hell and separation from God. 1 John 5, 11 to 12, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life, but he who does not have the son does not have life. To act as if God is at fault for people going to hell is the same as blaming the judge and jury when a guilty murderer is convicted. Now, this means that whenever you hear somebody ask the question, why would God send people to hell? You know that their perspective is upside down. God doesn't send anybody to hell. We do that to ourselves because of our sin. Based on our choice to sin, all of us are headed for an eternity of separation from God. God would have been entirely just to allow us to suffer the consequences for our rebellion, but his love for us wouldn't let him stand aloof and watch that happen. So he sent his son to rescue us. As we think about the realities of this, uh, let, let me just take a moment here to talk about this question about what about the people that I love? After we ourselves have been rescued from hell by trusting in the grace and the love of Jesus, our minds immediately turn to those people that we love. And the thought of their spending eternity separated from God, it's almost too painful to bear. So let me just say these few things to you. First, if they're still living, don't give up hope. Let those that you love know that the good news that God can rescue you is also good news for them too. Many people who initially reject God's invitation to life and forgiveness through Jesus, they end up accepting him. The apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians, was one of those. So if, if, they're all, if they're still living, don't give up hope. Keep praying, keep sharing. What about if they've already died? If they've already died, you trust them to God. Remember that God is the ultimate judge of eternity. We are not. So instead of getting caught up in worrying about changing what you can't change, you leave it with God. You let that concern motivate you to share with those who are still living the hope that Jesus gives. And you make sure that those that you love have no doubt about your faith in Christ and the fact that you're going to heaven so they don't have to have any doubts about you when you die. But you put them in God's hands because only God is the ultimate judge. You may think you know where they are, but you don't know what happened at the end of their life. You don't know what commitments they might have made. You don't know what was in their heart. So you trust them into God's hands.
0: Wow, it's a lot to take in. The Bible's picture of an afterlife without Christ is disturbing, and it's supposed to be. If it weren't that bad, the cross would seem like overkill. Understanding the truth about hell helps us understand why God went to such great lengths, allowing the death of his own son so that we could be rescued. God loves us more than we can really comprehend, and that love rescues but it also allows us to choose whether to love and follow him or not. I love pastor Tom's encouragement at the end of this section. If you have someone in your life who hasn't accepted Christ, don't give up hope. God is able to do anything, even reach what seems to be the hardest heart. And if someone you love has already died and you're not certain if they accepted Christ, trust them to God. Only he knows the true condition of a person's heart. He is a good and perfect father, and he always does the right thing. Have a great small group discussion and we'll see you next time.